passions. My pioneering and entrepreneurial spirit and my commitment to creative, relevant communication of the gospel to having been shaped by this movement. But as of late in my life, I've come to the realization that I've also adopted an unhealthy practice of living as a human doing as opposed to a human being. Doing versus being. And human being in its, in its fullness is about living from a place of loving union with God. As God is the sustainer of all things, God becomes the center to which we consistently return. And I've been learning in these later years of my life that there's a much deeper, more intimate, more rich, sustaining life that God has been beckoning me to explore and to discover. And that often I have said no by being busy, by being active, by being a human doing and missing out on the opportunity and the invitation to become a full, robust human being. And so God has been teaching me what it is to live a contemplative life. A life that finds rest in God, a life that finds security in God, and not in activity. I'm finding that there's rest for my soul in embracing my full human beingness and not being distracted to impress others by being a human doing. In all the recovery centers and in all the churches that I've served in over the years, it's taken me into my 40s to recognize that if I lack a sustainable, renewing rule of life that is anchored deep in intimate encounter with God, if I lack that, I will fake it, I will fizzle, and I'll fade away. I can't tell you how many pastoral conventions I've gone to where they start a talk with the percentage of how many pastors leave the pastorate within the first five years. And then they bring up the other shocking statistics of how many get fired for embezzlement or adultery or, and they go through the whole, and you just sit there sweating. Because <laughs> you don't want them to find out what you did, no. <laughs> You're sweating because you don't, you don't want to be the statistic. Well, for me, the last couple of years, this realization has been percolating like a coffee pot where it's like different times it'll pop, pop. And I think experiencing the greatest grief in my life yet is what has really actually sent me on the landslide 
um, into recognizing the wounds and the resentments that I carry in my heart. And much of the realization comes for me when I am practicing as a student of silence. And so this is what I mean by silence. Silence is practices that intentionally position us toward a loving union with God where we are not directing the conversation. Silence for me is a practice that intentionally positions us toward a loving union with God where we are not directing the conversation. The image that comes to mind for me is being in an airline when you're seated and they're in the middle and they say, if under duress, oxygen masks will fall. And then they say, put your oxygen mask on first before assisting someone else. Put your oxygen mask on first because if you don't have a steady flow of oxygen, you're of no good to anyone else, regardless of what your vocation is, regardless of what your leadership skill set looks like, regardless of whether or not you can move people's emotions. And so for me, Silence is like an oxygen mask. Some of the simple practices for silence that I'm currently practicing is I use the Celtic daily prayer. And this is a new one for me, which is super fun. It's from the uh, Northumbria community. You can find it online. You can find their books. Um, And I do the morning prayer. And so every morning, I take time and I read through and I sit in silence, and I don't direct the conversation, and I allow God to bring up whatever needs to be brought up. I've also not been turning the radio on when I'm driving. Now, I have to admit, we don't have Bluetooth connection in our uh, Mazda MPV, and so that's a deterrent, because I really can't stand the radio, and I've for whatever reason, I'm super frustrated with NPR these days. And so, I've been driving in silence and trying to engage with God. I've been practicing clarity breaks during the day, which is like a two minute, so like the 90 second that we practice with Hannah. Stepping away from my work, turning my phone off, if for five minutes, but making space where there's clarity and I can do a check-in with God. How's it going? How's it going with us today? Am I missing what you're about? Another practice I have is setting my alarm a little bit earlier, and I will lay in bed, and I'll ask the Holy Spirit to rest on me like a sponge. And this is going into my day, and so I'll ask the Holy Spirit to draw out of me before I step into my day. Draw out of me what's already here that's not like you. 
what's already here that's not like Jesus. And I'll sit in that space. And oftentimes, I will fall back asleep. So it's important to set a second alarm. Another practice I have right now is that I took Instagram off my phone. And I did that for Lent. Um, But I did it because I believe that I um, suffer from the sin of comparison. And most of my interaction on Instagram is not with people. It's with me consuming what they've put out. And then I compare. Oh, wow, this person seems to be on vacation a lot. Or, wow, this person seems to eat a lot of really good food. I wonder how they afford that. Or, this person seems to always be buying something new. And I will fall into a place of jealousy and envy. On the flip side, there's a false humility that can play in there as well, which for me is super destructive, where I can actually elevate and uh, pride is focusing on myself, regardless if it's lifting myself up or if it's abasing. And so these are practices of silence that I've stepped into because I want to be shaped in the way of Jesus. And so there's many ways into this type of silence practice. There's, there's meditation. There's uh, centering prayer practices, which we're going to do one today together. It's going to be awesome. There's the Lectio Divina, which I've taught here before and would be happy to teach any of you. Um, there's lots of apps that can help as well if you, if you need that type of guidance. But this morning I wanted us to look um, at Mark chapter 6. There's a text here that I think is very helpful for us as we look to learn Jesus' heart. In Mark chapter 6 it says this, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place. Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, 
that they did not have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. If you read through this text and you just circle or underline the action words, this is an overwhelming text. (laughs) So Jesus left there, went to his hometown, teaching in the synagogue, went around teaching from village to village, called the 12, sent them out. They went out, preached, they drove out, they anointed, healed, after they had done and told what they had done and taught, coming and going, not enough time to eat. Jesus recognizes the human doing. Are these bad things? Probably not. Could someone distract themselves with them? Absolutely. Jesus sees their human doing and invites them into a practice that will develop their human being. And he says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Verse 32 says, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. In my readings this week, I think Jesus might have said something like this to them when they were in the boat. If I choose to hide you away, it is for a reason. I've brought you to this place. Drink in the silence. Seek solitude. Listen to the silence. It will teach you. It will build strength. Let others share it with you. It is little to be found elsewhere. Silence will speak more to you in a day than the world of voices can teach you in a lifetime. Find silence. Find solitude. And having discovered her riches, Bind her to your heart. That's Francis J. Roberts, if you want to look it up and get it tattooed on your back or something. So with that today, I wanted us to practice. I wanted us to practice silence, and I wanted us to practice a centering prayer together. This is a safe space 
I want you to engage listening to the silence. I believe it will teach you. It teaches me regularly. I believe it will build strength, but don't be confused. You're not trying to achieve anything. And as you find silence, as you experienced that today, my encouragement to you is that you would consider what it is to bind her to your heart. So we have friends, Annette and Susan, who are part of our community. They're going to lead us in a centering prayer. So I would invite you to come up. And thank you for your willingness. Thank you, Nate. So I'm Annette, this is Susan. And about a year ago, uh, a few of us gathered um, actually right here, we would sit in the aisle and we would enjoy a period of uh, centering prayer together. Uh, we would do it for about 20 minutes to 30 minutes. And uh, so that's what, why Nate you know, invited us up here to talk. Now, I am definitely not an expert. Are you an expert? Um, but um, I can tell you after 20 years of sporadically, very sporadically uh, doing this, I'm still a toddler, um, but it's something that I yearn for. Um, as Nate was speaking, I was sitting there thinking, I gotta run away to the woods and I gotta be alone. Um, but how can I do it in the daily? Um, how can I come to this um, deeper connection with God through this tool of, of centering prayer or contemplative prayer? Um, so Susan's going to share a little bit more about this actual practice, and then we're going to go in and we're going to try it out. Um, I didn't know Hannah was going to start, start us off that, that uh, way with testimony time, so it was perfect. So contemplative prayer, centering prayer, is really a form of meditation. It's got a long tradition in Christianity, way back to the Desert Fathers. It's also, you know, practiced by many faith traditions around the world. But the difference for us is that it's making space for God, allowing us to connect with him. In you know, it's one way of allowing for that, allowing time. I always find that um, I just have more of a sense of God's presence and love and acceptance and find out things about my life and myself and how to live that I would miss if I didn't take the time or when and when I don't <laughs> at times. Um, one thing to note is, you know, when you try and be quiet and, and have silence, your mind immediately starts chattering I have a client who calls it monkey brain, which I think is a great description, and that's just part of the process. It's a practice to learn, but if you persevere, your mind will eventually be quiet, and you can hear God and, and feel at peace. Um, we're gonna stretch you guys. Hannah did a 90 seconds. We're gonna go for three minutes, which may seem to some of you like an eternity, but <laughs> we're gonna try it. So 
um, some people with centering prayer, they use a sacred word. Um, so they might think, you know, peace, um, Jesus. Um, or, or an image. Or an image. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes for me, it's often of the ocean because it gives me the sense of the eternalness of God and um, just the quietness and strength of God. But it's, it's something that gives, just for you to focus on. You know, secularly people often just focus on their breath, but focusing on Jesus or, or a sacred word gives a, different, a little different meaning. Mm-hmm. And it could be the breath, because isn't that what God gave us? Right. Uh, you know, so, yeah, so, so true and so perfect, our breath. I, I use walking up a trail on a mountain to a peak along with typically um, a two-syllable um, word, a sacred word. Um, so feel free to engage and to um, be aware, be not aware. If your mind starts doing the monkey thing, or if you hear somebody cough, you might just say, ah, that's a cough, and just go back to it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to first read just a little, um, I guess you would say devotional, um, by um, a Christian author. And then I am going to read a psalm two times. Sometimes we do it three times when we sit together. And then go into quiet uh, to listen for the voice of God, to soak in his peace. So we'll do that for three minutes. Um, And then after we sit together in silence for three minutes, we're going to read aloud the Lord's Prayer together. By Cynthia Heald. The Most High calls to us and waits for us to respond. He desires to quench our deepest thirst to satisfy our deepest hunger, and to fill us with his power and presence as we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. The scripture for meditation is Psalm 42, 1 through 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, So my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? As the deer pants for streams of water, So my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God?
Please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. How did it feel? Does anybody want to share? Did you have any, um, did you use an image? Did you use a sacred word? I know from the reading, um, and you know, I looked for that reading last night, what I was I going to read, and, um, but nothing really stood out for me last night except for, you know, a deer at the water because I want to go up north. Um, but all of a sudden, um, what came out for me, I don't know if it was a sacred word, if you would call it that, but um, to meet with God. The very end says, when can I go and meet with God? So that was prevalent, was meeting with God um, as I was going through the silence of three minutes, which kind of felt like an eternity. But on the other hand, I wanted more. What, what did you feel? Anything? Was it hard? Was it relaxing and you want to do more? Nobody wants to share? Okay. Oh, back here. Okay. So I've been meditating for a while, so it's uh, not a new thing, but the thing I focus on is the breath. I like to elongate my breath so it can slow down my heart rate, just kind of slow things down. And when you focus on your breath, it helps to kind of take the distractions away from the other things you're doing. So yes, I try to do about 20 minutes a day, so three minutes is like I need more, but, but like you mentioned, when you start, it pulls you in deeper, so yeah. be persistent. Thank you. Yeah, and Susan and I were talking about that, the, you know, the secular and physical benefits as well, like lowering the blood pressure. I guess I can share now too. Um, it's funny, when we did the, I don't know if you guys were here for the Enneagram uh, that we did, I looked into more of that after, and a big part of the next steps of that were this con contemplative prayer and meeting God in the silence. And so it's just been reaffirming that that's where he wants to lead me. I've tried it a few times, and it happened again here. Um, I just have to keep going back to the word all the time that I picked for God in order for it to, in order to be centered there. So that's good. Come on, I want to say something. What topic? <laughs> Come on. Well, well, during my grandpa Jerry's funeral, there was a lot of silence there. There really was. It was hard for me because 
I never had someone in my family pass away before. It was hard. It was really hard on me. Thank you, Jackie. Anybody else want to share about their experience? The good, the bad, the ugly? Okay. So during the initial 90-second just breathe, I found my mind going back to something I've been angry about the last couple of days. So what I did for this three minutes was I focused on peace and joy. And somehow that uh, thing I was angry about didn't come up in those three minutes. So that was nice. Cool. And the actual words of peace and joy? Okay. Nice. So good morning. My name is Shara. And this was really affirming for me. I've a person, I became a certified yoga instructor back in 2007. And uh, it's it's a practice that a lot of Christians, um, in my experience, believe that is at odds with faith, with our faith. And this was very affirming for me because it went by really fast, probably no surprise. In part, I felt so much peace and calm because the integration of something that's important to me um, in my life outside of the church um, was just deeply, deeply affirmed for me. And so it's leaving me with this curiosity as I've been over a couple of years trying to understand why Genesis? Why do I keep coming back here? Why do we keep coming back here as a family uh, to be really candid? And I felt, I feel that curiosity um, coming back to actually ask me the question of what should I be and what could I be contributing to this community? Thank you. Good morning, church. My name is Nichelle. And um, I had an opportunity through the three minutes to hear God for the, I won't say for the first time, but in a long time. We are so busy, um, and most of the time it's self-inflicted. It's not because we have to be doing this. It's not life or death type of doing. It's just what we feel we need to be doing. And so taking this opportunity to just be quiet and just listen was very gratifying. So my words were grateful, obedience, and discipline. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. This was, uh, I thought this was going to be very difficult for me because my mind is always racing. I don't talk a lot to other people, but my mind never quiets down. Even when I go to bed at night, it's hard to quiet it down. So what I did is in some of what you spoke, uh, there was a living God. So I kept on saying the living God, the living God, and surprise, my mind did not wander it kept the living God in my mind. So it, it was amazing to me for that. 
Thank you so much, church family. And, you know, Susan and I have talked about um, coming back together again for uh, centering prayer, time to be still together. So we haven't moved on it in a year. So if anybody wants to nudge us, come see us or start doing it and let us know. Thank you. Can you give them a hand for... Thank you. Um, I have, on your way out, I printed out some um, guides for practicing centering prayer. And they're up here next to the rule of life worksheets and things like that. Uh, would you stand up? And um, the band is going to lead us in a reflective song of worship. And then our time together will end. Um, but let me invite...